Welcome to the Engage Church Duluth podcast, where together we are learning to love God and people better. You'll find links, notes, and insights that go along with this episode at the link in our podcast description and on our website at engagechurchduluth.com. We're so glad you're joining us today. So game day Sunday, what an exciting time that is going to be. You know, just even just here in the last like couple minutes, I just, I honestly, personally, maybe this will surprise some of you guys and I'm out of the loop, but that was the first time that I ever heard that Jesus, Jesus song. Anybody else? Like, was that a new song for anybody? Okay, yeah, me too, but I could obviously learn that pretty fast, right? Um, but... I was just back there, and as they were singing that, I mean, it's just what a, I mean, just, just saying the name of Jesus, like, what power is there in that? Now, this is a total tangent. This is not the sermon. So give me 45 minutes of an intro. We'll get into the sermon, okay? But, no, I mean, I could just sing his name, and there's something about that, even when I don't know what to do. And that's just a side note lesson on prayer. When you don't know how to pray, just speak Jesus' name. Just speak his name. Help him kind of get you out of uh, the funk that you might be in or the area that you are. There's power in that. But when I, we talk about game day Sunday, I want everybody that is a part of Engage to lean in and hear this and the ones online. I am not a pastor. We are not a group of leaders. We are not a local church that wants to hand out like a free skateboard just to get people in here so that we can have a large number of people at church. You hear me? I know that, that I want to be honest with you guys and say that is not what we are trying to accomplish. But we want to be a church that reaches one more person for Jesus. I am passionate about that. I want to see, there's people in this city that have no idea that in a month from now, six months from now, a year from now, they are going to have a moment with Jesus. It's going to change their destiny forever. I want to be a part of that, and I hope that you do too. So we want to do everything we possibly can to reach as many people as we can. And so we try to make events on Sunday because we want people to come in here, have an opportunity to hear about Jesus, to hear this great message that of his forgiveness and the life that you can have with him. It's just an amazing thing. And so we do this thing called Game Day Sunday. We've done it. It's going to be our third annual one. Everybody kind of wears their favorite team. I know most of you will be in Lions gear. Congratulations, I'll be right with you. Um, no, I know that we got a lot of Lions, uh, uh, Vikings fans here and Packer fans. We don't talk about that. Um, but we all just kind of wear our favorite gear. It's going to be, there's not going to be a whole lot different with the actual service. We want to be consistent with that, so we'll have worship time. God has a great message. I cannot wait to preach this message. You hear what I'm saying? I can't wait to preach this message. Right? Then we have a tailgate party. We have a tailgate party after. All these chairs are going to be turned around. we got a projector. We're going to be watching the Viking-Packer game there. But this year, we actually kind of took it a step farther, and we want to be able to have an environment to invite people in. Do you guys realize that it is extremely scary to come to a service for the very first time? Or even if you've been church and you're kind of new to the area, maybe you're a college student, you're a new family, and you're trying to find a church, you know how scary that can be? I mean, it's terrifying for people. So we were just trying to have an opportunity to invite as many people as we possibly can into a Sunday morning experience because we believe in the name of Jesus. We believe that he transforms us. You guys tell I'm excited about this kind of stuff? 
I mean, Jesus, he changes us, amen, it's awesome. And so we wanna have this incredible environment, world-class environment, let's go that far this morning. World-class environment um, that we can invite people into. So this tailgate party, we have just some gourmet food. It's going to be hot dogs and brats, you know. Like we're going <laughs> we're gonna to have that there. There's going to be some people that are bringing um, a food. In fact, in the back before you leave today, I'm counting on this. There's a list back there. And we don't want just anybody to bring kind of anything. It's kind of a particular uh, meal that we try to set up. So sign your name. I'll bring the ketchup. I'll bring the onions. Like whatever that is, that just kind of helps us with offsetting some of the cost. Make sure you sign up to bring something there. And our tailgate, I'm so excited about this, we have local businesses, businesses, like people that are just kind of, we always think they're just trying to make the mighty dollar, right? They've partnered with us in this so that we can have a great event. They've given us giveaways just to give out like some movie tickets, date nights for families, right? I mean, how awesome would that be to just bless some people, right? We have uh, Duluth Pack blessed us with a, a nice bag to give away. Um, and then here's a, just a wild thing. We had somebody in our church that is an ex-cheerleader of the Vikings, and she just used her connections, and all of a sudden, we have two Viking cheerleaders that are going to be here taking pictures, signing autographs, like the Viking cheerleaders, right? And um, they're going to be back there. I promise they know they're coming to church. It's all good. Relax for those thoughts. Um, but that's awesome. You want to know why? Because the people that are not church, they don't speak our church language, and we're just trying to connect with them in a way. That's what this is about. And so we need each and every one of you to understand that and come on the 16th with like your game face on, ready to smile at people, embrace people, accept them where they are, and know that God wants to take them somewhere completely new. That's what this church is about. That's what I'm passionate about. And I don't even know what I'm going to preach on now after this one because that was just a fun little announcement right there. But game day Sunday, you don't want to miss it. It's not just another event. It's an opportunity for us to, to point people to Jesus Christ. And I think we all want to be a part of that. And for those of you watching in Florida, just fly on up here. you got a couple weeks to get your ticket. So come on. But, wow. Pastor Josh, bring it down a notch. You're really, really excited here this morning. So we've been in a, in a conversation the last few weeks about, uh, we've kind of started with the phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side. Exactly. The grass is always greener on the other side. And, you know, we could really, in my own life too, we could talk about contentment. I could preach on that for a whole year straight, probably two years straight, right? I mean, this is just an issue that everybody deals with in one way or another, whether you're a seasoned Christian or whether you're not, it's, it's an issue that comes up in us, is this contentment. Most of us sit in discontentment. And I just want to talk about that a little bit here today. Um, that's where we're going to go. So for those of you that may not know, um, I was a golf teaching pro for nine years, not like swinging up with Tiger Woods I was not that good, still am not. But I was a teaching pro. I would teach people about golf. And I was blessed that I got to work at a few top 100 courses in the country. And the reason I tell you that is because the top 100 courses are very um, pricey. It's like no membership and, you know, $250 around, that kind of stuff, like that kind of caliber. And so here I am. I'm, I'm making, like, okay money. I was a single guy, you know, and sharing a room with, like, three other people. Or, I mean, a, a, not a room, uh, an apartment or whatever. So my expenses weren't big, things like that. 
but I'm sitting here, you know, washing people's clubs and serving them, making sure they had enough uh, balls on the range and uh, going up to the tee box and making sure I give them a nice welcoming spiel so they can go out and enjoy their day while I go clean some golf carts, right? So this was kind of the environment I was in, but then um, I also got to go to the range and teach people on some of their swings, got to play with them, things like that. So the customers that would come there were very much farther along successfully financially than I was, of course, right? I mean, when I would look at them, they had it all. They really did. Like, they'd pull up in a Corvette, and sometimes there was, like, celebrities there. I got to meet some really cool people. And um, they'd pull up, like, in a Corvette. They had the money. They had the cars. They had the great job. They had the friends. And what I would find, I, I, would, I, would, I remember, like, I would kind of be looking at that, and I don't know if this is, like, a male thing or if, if, the, if women uh, deal with this part of it, too. But, like, I would kind of look at them and be like, man, if I had that, if I have what they have, oh man, look out, like joy is going to be in my life. Like I need me a red Corvette to cruise down the road and things are going to happen for me, right? Like you kind of start to, to think this silly thing. And, and I thought, you know, man, they have all of this stuff. They got to be like the most happy people in the world. But what I would find out is I'd go out and I'd play golf with them. And when you play golf with somebody, it's almost like a little counseling session. I don't know. Things just open up. And people start talking. I don't know what it is, if it's the smell of the grass or the swinging of the clubs. But people just start to share stuff. And these successful people were so joyless in their life. It, it was just unbelievable to me that, that I saw that I was like running after something. I don't even know what, but these successful people, they just, they, they were broken. They, they didn't know how to find joy. They actually weren't content. And I think just like me, we all do this. I mean, don't we? Like, we look at, we look at, man, they have a big house. They must be doing something right. We look at, you know, they have the great job. They must get all the opportunities in the world, and they must just know the right people. They have, so they must. You know, we look at the, the marriage, they have this great marriage, they're communicating, and it's like, you know, they finish each other's words, and it's like they're just flying when they're around each other. Man, if we just had that, we'd have some contentment in our life, like we'd be happy, we'd have this joy. They have this money. They must have like all this wisdom that I don't have, or there's that one help book that I just haven't read yet. They must have all of that. Right, we, we just start to look at people this way. You know, they have this business that's just, that's just thriving. They have this, so they must be happy. They must have joy. They get to take all these trips. And mine is like a staycation. It's from the kitchen to the porch on a nice sunny day, right, with a cup of coffee. They must, they, they have all this stuff. And so we kind of tell ourselves this lie. We, we don't maybe necessarily say it out loud, but we kind of believe this in our hearts where we, we believe this, it's going to be up on the screen, is if you have a lot, you can't have it bad. This is how we kind of approach life. This is how we approach looking at things. And hey, here's the thing. If you're feeling like this day, like, man, that is so me. I can promise you that most of us, if we would go around the room, you're not alone. We share in these things in one area or another. It, it's just the way it is. In fact, let's do something, I don't want to call it a game, you don't have to write any of this down, but just kind of in your mind, 
I have a few things here that I'd, I'd like us to talk about. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being good and 1 being not so good, I'd like you to just kind of think about <clears throat> these things, these areas of our life, and where you would rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10. I'm going to give you where I, I rated myself. Uh, so here we go. So the first one is looks. Now, if any of you know me, you probably know where I'm going on this, but actually, I'm going to be real. Um, I'm not always the most humble person. I try. I really do. But no, I'm just kidding. But So in my looks, I gave myself a six. I don't mind the dad bod. It's wearing on me. Um, where would you rate yourself? I mean, don't yell it out loud here. And husbands, uh, don't rate your wives or anything. This is for you. This could get you in some trouble or maybe help you out. So here we go. Uh, in opportunities, this is something that I just thought of like, you know, in opportunities is like how many opportunities in life do I get? Do I, do I get set up for success and have chances to do things, meet with people? Like where would you rate yourself? And honestly, for me, I felt pretty high on that. I put myself as an eight. Because I got to be honest with you, I just I think it's maybe because of uh, what I do and, and the amount of people I know. But there's just different opportunities that come up, and I'm not talking all about jobs or things, but just chances to know people, do things. Um, for me, where would you rate yourself in opportunities? Here's one: cars, like your car, just something as basic as that. Where would you rate your car? I put mine as a four. I mean, we got some ticking noises going on, and I hit a deer like two years ago. Still haven't wanted to pay the $500 deductible to get that fixed. Um, my, my cars are needy, but you know what? I love them. Um, your home, I put five. You know, we, we built this modest home. We don't have a garage. We have a shed that's like piled with a bunch of stuff, and we have like a yard that we're working on. So it's kind of coming, but I put, I put a five. We're probably... Better than that, but that's just where I was. Education, uh, I went on two, but then I'm like, well, that will lose some credibility here, so we're going with a seven on that. Um, no, I feel very well educated, uh, not just from, you know, like schooling, but just the people that I know. I have some great people that pour into me, and, um, and so that's uh, somewhere I put seven. But where would you put yourself? Faith. I actually really put myself uh, a little bit higher on this. I feel like my faith is really good right now. And I, I put myself as an eight. Where's your faith, right? Fun. Well, we have lots of fun. It's just when you have three kids and you get married, you got to kind of turn your definition of fun around and, and it changes, right? But I have a seven on there. I have a lot of, a lot of fun in, in life. Style. Uh, let's be honest here. I put myself at a four. Um, popularity. Popularity. These are, these are things that we think about. Put myself down as a six. You guys better be doing this. I'm not just giving you my stuff. I mean, I want to see the wheels turning out here. Where you at? Relationships. Man, that's one of the areas I just feel blessed in my life. I have a, a great wife. I'm not going to say things are perfect there uh, all the time, but it's pretty amazing. I have really good friends. I have an awesome uh, local church that I get to be a part of. And so I put um, eight on that. I think it's just awesome. Talents. Here's one that may surprise you guys, but I wanted to be really honest. I actually put myself as a five there. I don't really look at myself as a very talented guy. Um, I have some giftings, but I don't know how to play the keyboard. I know two strings on the guitar. I can hit that cymbal with a drumstick if you give it to me. I don't know much about cars. You know, like, I don't really feel like I have like, a lot of talents in, in my area. 
But the reason that I wanted us to do that is just to kind of kind of get this idea and, and there's a point behind it. Because see, I, I went down the list there and maybe for some of you that know me, you would, you'd score me personally less on some of those or maybe higher on those or you think I would be in different spots myself. But we get ourselves, when we think about this in life, right, that if you have a lot, you know, it must not be bad for you. It can't be bad. It must be going good. When, when you rate that, we actually believe that if we could reach tens in all of those areas, a lot of us believe, then we would have joy in our life. If we could just have the nicer car that's not, you know, shaken because the wheels are all funky uh, driving down the road and people are looking at you like, do you really, you know, put your kids in that kind of thing? Or if we could have the house where you have the room to, to host people and maybe it looks a little bit more like your neighbor in the landscaping area, then you'd be happy. If you could have that paycheck, then you'd be happy. If you could, if you could have that popularity where people just got to know you and you know people, I could go on and on and on. And we really believe that this is a place that somebody can get. In fact, I would say, not all of these, but just a good example is this. That would be like all tens in these areas would be where I would say most of us would put like celebrity status, right? Celebrities, like they got to have it all because they have the big money. I mean, uh, look at Aaron Rodgers. What was it, like $131 million that he just signed for four years or something like that? Andy's a Packer, boy. And it's like $100 million guaranteed. I'll tell you what I'd be doing. I'd be tripping when I played my first game this year and just go to the Bahamas or something. Um, but, you know, we, we kind of put that, we, we see fame, we see success, we see money, and we kind of think that if all those things were there, then we would just have joy. And, and that's just, that's kind of my point behind this. I found a couple interesting things. Oh, I'm really going to do this. But Justin Bieber, yes, the Biebs. I kind of told myself, if you ever quote Justin Bieber in a sermon, God's probably telling you to go be a cook somewhere or something like that. But the Biebs, he actually like tweeted out like a year ago. Yes, I, this is how I spend my time researching for sermons is this right here. But Justin Bieber actually tweeted out um, that he says, you know, many people think because I have fame and I have things that everything's easy for me or I'm content all the time and I'm just not. It's, it's false. It's not true. He actually said that in a tweet. You can go find it. And he got hammered about this. Like, oh, how dare you? You have everything. You have every opportunity. You know, like people just like kind of banging him up for that. But in this, I actually think I might, I don't understand. I've never been at that level. Some of me thinks, thank God. But I've never been at that level, but I kind of get what he might be saying in there. But then last week, I also told you about a quote that Jim Carrey said. And it's kind of interesting because Jim Carrey got a bunch of uh, praise for this. And he said, I wish everybody could be famous and be able to do everything they wanted to find out that it's not the answer. And people are like, oh, how wise. But really, they're saying the same thing, right? What they're saying is, there's always more. Right? There, there's always more. There's always better. Right? The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Right? If we could only get there, if we could only have that marriage, if we could only have that money, if we could only have those cars, that, you know, that, that stuff. And, and it's easy for us to assume that what others have must mean that they have joy and contentment. That's what those two are saying in there. In other words, what they're saying is stuff isn't enough. 
Stuff isn't enough. There's something more. And in a moment, we're going to read about Paul that actually backs this kind of idea up. I know I apologize to anybody that I quoted Justin Bieber. I mean, I'm I'm embarrassed to myself right now that that happened, but it was such a good analogy, right? No. But stuff isn't enough. This is so good. Stuff isn't enough. So the question that I want to dive into in the next few moments is, where is our contentment hiding? I mean, if stuff isn't enough, if our contentment, if our joy isn't in our stuff, then where is it? If it's not really, uh, uh, you know, that we can find it in our house, in our cars, in our bank accounts, then where is it hiding? Where is it? How do we find it? And what I love about this, the reason that I kind of shared those two quotes with you is that the Apostle Paul says something very similar in Philippians. Now the Apostle Paul, just a little bit of a backstory on him, is that Paul actually started off his journey as taking out Christians. Can you believe that? Like he wanted to destroy the church. He'd imprison them, he'd hurt them, he'd harm them. It was just a bad deal. He wanted to cause division. But then he has this moment, one day, and this is what I'm talking about, like a game day Sunday. Paul has this moment with God that changed him completely. He didn't turn around all the way. I mean, he completely faced the opposite direction of where his life was, and he walked in a completely different way, changing his destiny and impacting probably millions of people in history for the name of Jesus because of a moment with Jesus. He has this moment where Jesus said, you know, God says to him, you are persecuting my church, how dare you? And he's like, whoa, like God just spoke to me, right? And it just completely changes his life and he goes another direction. And that's not really what we're talking about today. But he actually starts to build the church and encourage the church, the the group of people, the group of believers. He starts to encourage them. And you would think because Jesus is on his side now, right, that he must have, you know, the perfect top-of-the-line Cadillac donkey to cruise around on now, right? He must have the best of the best sandals. He must be getting fed everywhere that he goes. In every city he walks into, he must be blessed. And they're just, oh, it's Paul. Like, praise him. Quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. he's, He's stoned. He's thrown in prison. But yeah, he finds a way. He finds a way to find this joy, and that's, that's what we're going to talk about here. He actually, in Philippians, this is a, a group of people that he's encouraging. He wants to build them up, and actually in the passage that we're talking about, he starts off because he's encouraging them in their generosity. We're going to be in uh, Philippians 4 here in a moment. He's encouraging them in their generosity. And he's doing all of this from prison. He's been thrown into prison, and not because he deserved to be either. He's there because he loves Jesus, and he's building the church. He was wrongfully there, but he finds a way to encourage people in this circumstance. We're going to go into this a little bit. So we're going to start a little bit later in the chapter, uh, Philippians 4, start with verse 10. It says, I rejoice, this is Paul speaking, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, You were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show. 
So what he's really saying here, I know that's just kind of like a little bit uh, weird wordy there, but what he's saying is he's like, I don't expect you to give me anything. But you guys have been so concerned that you sent this gift out of the right motives and, and you were generous to me. You loved me. You, you sent me a gift. And I just want to say, thanks for being concerned for me. Thank you for that. And so he's just kind of, you know, uh, just, again, just thanking them for their generosity. Thank you for being friends. Thank you for having that right motivation, that right motive of loving me and seeing my circumstance, caring enough to do something about it. I just wanted to thank you. Before, you never had an opportunity because in another book, in another time that he was talking to them, he wouldn't allow them to give him any kind of like financial blessing. He wanted to move on. So that's just a whole other thing. But he's thanking them. Like you didn't have an opportunity before and now you do and I greatly appreciate it. Verse 11, this is where it starts to get really interesting. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I'm not thanking you for that gift because I needed it. What? Let's read on. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Now, you gotta, you got to be thinking about what these people must have been thinking in this scenario. Here Paul is in prison. They're, they're out, and, and they're kind of thinking like, wait a minute. You're not in need. What are you talking about? You're, you're not in need. You know, we're, we're sitting out here. We're kind of free right now. And I could tell you about a bunch of needs that I have. This guy is mental. You know, he's sitting in prison. We're, we're, we're blessing him. And, and I mean, what, what is this? Like, it must have caught them off guard a little bit to hear that. Because if we think of somebody in prison right now, don't we think that they're actually very needy? And so they're going to tell us, like, yeah, I didn't actually, I, I'm not thanking you because this is something that I needed, but I'm thanking you because you had the opportunity to bless somebody, and now God's going to bless you, and I just thank you for being obedient in that. These people must have just thought that he was a madman, but Paul was not in need. He didn't find it needy that he was in prison without a way out. That is so interesting to me. I will tell you right now, I think I'm a pretty tough guy, but you put me in a prison cell, I am in a fetal position crying, probably screaming for my mama. I will promise you that. We read on in uh, verse 12. It says, I know what it is to be in need. This is Paul talking. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So he says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. What I love about Paul right here is what he's saying is, he's like, I've done it all. I have lived where I've had it all. I've had plenty. Plenty means like I have stuff left over. I've, I've, I've had it all. But I've also lived in this needy side. And I'm speaking into both of those circumstances. Some of us here today are living in plenty. We don't really have like a lot of these like, you know, needs that we've been talking about today. And some of us here are very much living in need and want. And isn't it good to know that we have somebody that can, you know, that's talking to us, that's teaching us right now 
this secret. He says, I have this secret because I know, I know what it's like to have plenty. I, I know what it's like to live that lifestyle. I know what it's like not to have a need in the world. But I also know what it's like to, to be hungry, go to bed hungry, not have a dime to my name. And there's a secret that I've learned. There's a secret that I've learned. It says, um, I have learned, I'm just going to read this part again. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So what Paul is talking about here is he says, I've learned. That's an interesting word to understand there because what that means is that this contentment, this secret that he knows, it took him time. He didn't just kind of like overnight kind of pop up and say, oh, I get it. He actually lived this. He experienced this. He, he had to take time to learn this. And that should be where some of our encouragement comes in here this morning. If you're feeling in this place where you're like, oh, man, I, I feel a little convicted this morning because I'm not content. I am dealing with a lot of that. Know that it takes some time to learn. But there's some truths coming up here in a moment that are really going to help us through this. He says, I, I've learned this, and there's this, there's this secret. And he didn't know them, but I think he would say, yep, I agree with Bieber and I agree with Jim Carrey. Stuff isn't enough. And if contentment isn't in your stuff, where is it? And he goes on to say this, I, I've learned this secret, and I'm going to tell you what it is. And I mean, like, I can just see everybody, we're like, they're leaning in as they're reading this, or somebody's reading. I mean, I was as I'm reading this. I'm like, yes, it's going to be the answer. And then he comes, and he has to be like a little bit, uh, it just kind of changes here in verse 13. It says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Okay, Paul, thanks for that. I wanted a little bit more tangible. But it is, and let me kind of explain. So he's like, man, I have this secret. I, I, I know, <coughs> excuse me, I know what it's like to, to live in plenty. I know what it's like to live in want, and I have the secret. I got it here. And when he first says that, you're like, what does that mean? I can do all of this through him who strengthens me? What I can tell you that it's not saying is, he's not saying I can do all things like all things. I mean, God is all-powerful, he's omnipresent, he's all-knowing, he's all of that. He very much is. But I don't think if I just wanted to, I could say, I want to, you know, hover above the crowd for like five seconds just for a cool thing, and I can do this through him who strengthens me. It's not all things. You know, it's not like all things like that. What, what Paul is talking about, I can do all of this, and I love that wordage, I can do all of this, Meaning I can be in prison, I can be in plenty, and I can have contentment because of the Lord's leading in my life. The one who strengthens me. Because whether I have plenty, and, and on that list that we talked about before, I feel like I kind of got all the tens going down there. I can have contentment in that and true contentment in that. Because I live my life as God is leading me and he is the one that strengthens me. He is why I do what I do. He is why I go and talk 
to the poor and the hurting. He's why I commit to a local church. He is why I pray for my neighbors. I love my neighbors. I serve my neighbors, right? I, I can do that. I can do that because he strengthens me. And, and when I'm at this point of discontentment, because discontentment, it just kind of, it demobilizes us. It puts us where our joy is so far off, we don't see it. It, it turns us, as we talked before in, in a couple weeks ago, it actually creates in us that we're always the victim, right? Well, their marriage is good because they have an opportunity to go to counseling and I could never afford that, right? Or they just had this opportunity at work and they happened to be in the right place and I came in, you know, just a moment too late and now they have the job and I don't. And if I had that, right? It's just constantly the victim. It's a thief. Discontentment. And what Paul is saying is the secret isn't in the have. The secret isn't about having all of this stuff. That's not the secret. It's not about having the better car, the bigger house, the, the best relationship, the, the biggest uh, 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 finances or, or uh, savings account. It's not about having all the fame and the popularity. It's not about having the best body. It's not about any of that. Contentment is when we allow the Lord to lead us. We allow the Lord to lead us and we can do all of this. We can live in all circumstances joyfully because he strengthens us. So here's a little phrase for you. It's we should, do, we should be more concerned with God's leading than our having. We should be more concerned with God's leading than our having. Oftentimes we, we, I'm guilty of this. You know, I get with a group of guys and we have coffee or something and I'm all, you know, we're all sharing ideas about like how we're going to, you know, get, get more and move along. Goals are great. Go after those stuff. Achieve those things. But that's not everything in life, is it? That's just not. It will leave us empty if that's what we're trying to chase after. And some of us will die trying to chase it. Some of us will We'll actually get it, and we're going to find out the hard way that it is not the answer. And others of us, what Paul is saying, is we're going to let go of that. Stop running that rat race, and we're just going to decide right now that we're going to trust God. And we're going to allow him to lead us. And our focus is going to go a little bit more away from us having and what we think that we want, and we're going to get on our knees, we're going to get into God's word, and we're going to hear, Lord, strengthen me, you lead me. Where are you calling me to go? In my discontentment in the area of my home, what, what are you leading me into? What do you want to see out of this? What, why did you bless me with this? Why did you bless me with this little, tiny, beat-up, hole-in-the-roof house? Why did you bless me with that, God? What do you want to show me? Why did you bless me with this five-bedroom mansion? Where are you leading me? Thank you for it, right? Why, why did you bless me with this, like, falling short on every electrical bill of the year, right? Why did you bless me with that, God? Or why did you bless me with this overabundance disposable income that I don't even know what to do with and I have plenty? We need to be less concerned about our having and more concerned about God's leading. And the toughest person you will ever lead, the toughest person you will ever lead is yourself. And so how do we get there? Well, the answer is actually a little bit of intentionality on our side. First of all, the world tells us 
to get inside of ourselves, decide how we feel about things, and then surrender to our feelings. That's what the world tells us to do. That's why we have all kinds of these different ideas about what it's like to follow Christ and what's right, what's wrong, what's in between. It's just, a, it's just kind of a chaotic mess. It's surrender to your feelings. If you feel good about something, even though maybe God's leading you in another direction, culture says go ahead and do it. It's making you feel good. But Jesus steps in and he says, I want you to look outside of yourself. This is how your creators created you to be. I want you to look outside of yourself. You're not going to find the joy just inside of you. You're going to find the joy through your creator. It's outside of yourself. It is a scientific fact. There's research on this. Look up generosity. We are more joyful when we're generous. Can you believe that? We are more joyful than we're generous. And I think God's word says it's better to give than to receive, right? There's truth there. So what Jesus says is get outside of yourself. This is where you're going to find true joy. This is how you've been created to be. How you've been created to be. Get outside of yourself. And when we're outside of ourselves and we're focused on our creator and who we're supposed to be, you want to know what that causes us to ask? Instead of us asking, like, how do we feel? We say, what, is, what does God say? What does God say? And we start to read through this thing. And we start to see what he says. We start to see his truth. And here's where Jesus changes us. Where the world will say, surrender to your feelings. As we get into God's word, he says, surrender your feelings to truth. It's not always what we want to hear. It's not always what we want to see. But it's truth. It's God breathed. It's reality. It's a living. It's alive. And it can transform us. And what Paul is saying is you will not find true contentment. The secret is I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I have him here with me. And whether I'm in this cell, I am going to say rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Whether I am out and I am having like lobster dinner with all my friends at a fine dining place, I am going to say rejoice. And again, I say rejoice because the joy isn't in the stuff. The joy is is in the one who leads me. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. We thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you are a God that is enough. That's what I love is as we start to get to know you, you are a God that is enough. Lord, I just pray that everyone here hearing this, the ones online that are hearing this, that they would see that. And I know that this isn't an easy area. But as they go out this week and they think about the areas of their life where they don't have this contentment, and maybe they're running after these, trying to be a 10 where they feel like they're a 2 on these things that we talked about, whatever area of life that is, I just pray that you show them that that's not where they're going to find joy. That's not where they're going to find that contentment, that happiness. That you're calling them to Seek after you and your leading. And if they would focus more on that, that you will show them these greener pastures. That truly the grass being greener on the other side is possible with your leading. Your word tells us that you cause us to lie down in pastures and rest. So I pray for that as our minds and our hearts are all spinning. That you would give us rest in these areas. Thank you so much for these messages that you've given us. Thank you for your word, the truth behind it. 
Help us be courageous enough to surrender to our feelings so that we can show this city what it looks like to truly be fully committed followers of Jesus Christ so that we can be a light on a hill, that we can be the salt of the world, that we can be the change that needs to be present in our city. We can ultimately point people to you. Lord, we love you for this today. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week, 10 o'clock. Don't forget about game day Sunday. It's two weeks from now, September 16th. God bless you. Thanks again for listening to the Engage Church Duluth podcast. If you enjoy learning with us and want to be notified when a new episode drops, subscribe to this podcast in iTunes and help us get the word out by rating us there. And then share us on social media with all of your friends. And don't forget, you can find more resources on our website and even watch the video version of this message. We can't wait to connect with you again next week.